listening to Clary Vacation on Springfield's Talk 1041. Hey everybody, it's Clarification. I'm your host, James Clary. Welcome to another beautiful day in the Ozarks. We're glad to have you. We appreciate the listeners. I've got a fascinating guest today. Lauren Davis is from Dallas, and she has a really keen eye and a keen perception as to what's going on in Dallas, particularly with this Ken Paxton mess. Lauren, I wanted to bring this to my listeners in Southwest Missouri, even though, you know, we have the podcast that goes everywhere, but primarily our stations in Southwest Missouri and a lot of people here, this is a very red state, much like Texas, but people don't even know what's going on there. Can you give us the, the 10,000 foot overview of this thing? Yes, yeah. So I think Texas just really is a microcosm, although pretty large, because Texas is a big state, um, of the greater, you know, national issue that you see is, you know, grassroots, everyday Americans just wanting to be involved in part of the process in politics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Trump coming on, on stage it seems like, oh, well, I could just go walk up to the county office or file my application and people will accept me. And that's just not the case. And I think um, you're just seeing that on full display. Paxton is one of our grassroots heroes who kind of broke through the establishment here in Texas. Right. And they've been after him and trying to make him pay for winning for, I mean, all of his years in office. I, I have heard personally through my entrance into politics, you have to kiss the ring, you haven't put in your time, how dare you, wait in line, can't you just wait? I mean, it's a real issue, and uh, there's just too many everyday Americans not listening. So it's causing quite the, quite the turmoil here in Texas, and I think across the nation. Yeah, you know, that reminds me, I, I got to just tell a story real quick. I was catering, I'm, I used to be in the restaurant business, so I was catering an event for the for the gentleman who would go on to win the governorship of Missouri, and he and I were talking alone, and he said, oh, excuse me, I got to go for a minute, and he walks into this dark office with one other man. The other man was one of the most powerful people in Missouri from a financial standpoint, and the governor, Matt Blunt, comes back out he wasn't governor yet, but he became governor. And I said, what was that all about? He goes, dude, it's just something everybody has to do. He was kissing the ring, as you say. And it it really bothered me. You know, and these were these were Republicans. Uh, you know, it was a party mm-hmm. of 300 hardcore Republicans. We did a show two weeks ago about how campaign funds are just being misused by the GOP leaders just to these weird fake entities that aren't even consultants. I don't know, man. Texas, though, has a unique role, I think, within the Republican Party with the whole George Bush wing, Dick Cheney, Mm -hmm. that that whole group. Talk about that a little bit, about what would you call them, the establishment Republicans? Yeah, I guess we call them the establishment Republicans down here, these institutional figures, donors, politicians who just won't let anyone play in their sandbox. And you could be qualified, you could be the greatest thing that's ever walked this earth, and it does not matter. So we are, particularly Dallas, where I'm at in, in Texas, and then Houston, there's, there's a part of it there too. But it's just ground zero for this establishment politics. The Bush family, 
live right here in Dallas, big at SMU. And so it's just every politician across the United States comes through Dallas. I don't know if there's one who doesn't come through for money, um, political influence to get the, the golden seal of approval. <laughs> right. So it's, it's very interesting being in Dallas. And so they, they just have their hands in every little thing. So I'll give you an example. Um, I ran for Dallas County Judge, which is also a county executive, right? It's not mm-hmm. an actual judge here. We just name it that way in Texas. Right. And it was my first entry into politics. And I'd never, I, I like I had no idea. I was not a primary voter. I was part of the people who woke up during Trump era. I was part of the parental movement against mm-hmm. COVID um, tyranny. And I said, well, I'm going to just go in and run for office. And that's when I came up against what I guess is what I learned is the Bush establishment. Carl Rove had his hand in, in different, like his tentacles in uh. different parts of, of my opponent. And the dynamics within the GOP, because I, I did, had a primary, and I beat an establishment, Dallas ISD, so it's the biggest public school district here, school board member, who's funded by all these people. Um, I beat him two to one. Wow. So like Ken Paxton, I've given the biggest defense. Not only did I not listen, I won, and I won big. And that's the power of grassroots, and it was quite incredible, but it's it's the... It's the Bush, Cheney, Carl Rove um, legacy that we're, we're up against here in Dallas, but it permeates all over, all over Texas. They just still think they run things. And they clearly don't, but you can break through in a primary, but get, to get the money you need to, to make a good showing in a general is kind of the next level. So it's really this um, battleground for who's going to take power. And I think the compassion trial is literally the epitome of that. You've got big money fighting over this. You have George uh, P. Bush, that primary Paxton. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all kinds of, um, you know, you can call them oddities or coincidences um, that have come out in this trial. Like George P. Bush reactivated his law license right as these quote whistleblowers went to the FBI to have them investigate Hold, hold um, on. Ken Paxton. Back up a second. Tell tell us who George P. Bush is. Yes, yeah. So uh, he he is a nephew of George W. Bush, I believe, and ah. he um, he's held some statewide office and he decided to uh, throw in, you know, or he was selected um, to challenge Ken Paxton in this last 22 race. Gotcha. So he primaried um, Paxton and he had all the Bush money, obviously the last name and all the support. And um, it didn't work. Ken Paxton beat him. It ended up going to a runoff because they had another person in there, mm-hmm. Eva Guzman, who was another kind of one who was kissed the ring and selected. Right. And um, they got into a runoff and George P. Bush um, and Paxton had the runoff and he beat him two to one, I believe. He won huge. So when you beat the establishment that bad, they hold grudges and they are after him. They couldn't take him out in the primary, so now they're after him, you know, through weaponizing the legal, the legal institutions. Well, and like you say, it's a microcosm of what's going on in the country. I mean, it's the exact same thing that's happening to Trump. It's, you know, it's hard to put your finger on it. I think so many, I, I think you and I think pretty similar it mm-hmm. it's an establishment versus populist globalist 
versus constitutionalist, however you want to frame it. But if we don't take back control of the Republican Party, this country is done. And it really is a uniparty in D.C. And it sounds like it's exactly the same in the Texas legislature. Does the establishment yes. kind of run the House and the Senate in Texas? Yes, um, at, for sure. The House uh, will see in the Senate. That's sort of on trial. Also, you could say now is mm. like, how much do they control the Senate? So the House, they absolutely do, because they're the ones who rushed in this, quote, impeachment um, on Paxton, literally happened almost overnight, presented no evidence. They just rushed it through. And a huge number of Republicans, um, House Republicans, we have the vast majority there in the House, voted for this. This And it was led by, I know, it's led by the Speaker of the House, Dave Phelan, who is supposedly a Republican, but appoints Democrats to committees um, and is clearly not a Republican in his actions. He led the charge on Ken Paxton in this impeachment. And you can, if you look at, there's been all kinds of things going on Twitter and other places just showing where the money comes from. Well, the majority of all the people who voted against Ken Paxton who are Republicans received large sums of money from Dade Phelan, the Speaker of the House. Wow. So I think what you're seeing here is, is a is a calculation and a gamble on who's going to who's going to remain in power and who they kind of want to uh, right. attach themselves to, right? Because they take out freshmen in the house all the time. I've heard stories. There's been articles written in Texas hey, about Lauren, people hold, who come in. Hang on yeah. just a second. Hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Lauren Davis from Dallas. Amarillo by morning. Hey, everybody. It's Clarification. It's all Texas today in the Ozarks. Our guest is from Dallas, Lauren Davis. Welcome back. Lauren, you were riffing a little bit on the Speaker of the House in Texas, who is supposedly a Republican, although he sounds like your typical Mitch McConnell establishment uniparty guy. Go ahead and finish your thought on that. Yes. Yeah. So he he systematically donated to to several, many, I think all of the Republicans who voted against Ken Paxton, um, so voted for the impeachment, which sent it to the Senate to go on trial. And so the, we have a majority in the House, but regularly um, our most conservative legislation is tabled or lost in committee. Um, we, Texas is still on, still has not passed um, a ban on vaccine mandates. So let's wow. just, that gives you an example of where we're at. So Texas feels, because we have so much um, spirit in Texas that people do, you feel conservative. It seems like, oh, well, you've got, well, you know, which is hanging the balance. You've got a, the greatest attorney general in the state fighting the Biden administration. You have a, a Republican governor. You have so many statewide uh, elected Republican officials, but we still have you know, the ability to mandate vaccines. So if that doesn't tell you where we're at, I don't know. And it's, you know, it's so sad. I went to school in Tulsa, Lauren, and Texas or Dallas is only about five hours. And we used to, 
I bet over my four and a half years went to Dallas 10 or 12 times. So the drinking age was mm-hmm. 18 back then. And that's, that's the number one reason. But when you hit the border, Texas didn't feel like a different state. It felt like a different country. There's something different about Texas. And it was a very free, liberty-filled feeling. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I've been born and raised in Texas. Um, you know, I, we love Texas here. Most people you talk to are conservative, you, but you know, you've got, um, we've got some major cities here, mm-hmm. Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, who are turning into, um, if not already fully, like for, in the case of Austin, um, yeah. little mini New York's and San Francisco. You, you mean progressive so really- hell holes, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, I get it. Complete progressive hell holes. Yep. And every day our city council in Dallas is doing something crazy, um, modeling after San Francisco, um, modeling after liberal cities in Colorado. It's, it's frightening and it's bleeding out into the counties because our growth is so huge. Yeah. So then you have, you know, wealthier suburbs and then you get into the more rural areas and you've got people with these progressive agendas bleeding in, into to that and you can see it in the school board fights. Right. They're fighting the same pornography in rural schools as they are um, in the city centers. So the problem is everywhere in Texas, and it's shocking. Have you, uh, uh, even though Dallas is pretty far north of the border, has the Biden open border policies affected you there in Dallas? Oh, yes. My kids have three children, and they used to attend Dallas ISD. We were a big public school family. I invested my money and my time to make it a great place. And it has the vast majority of the kids who go there are are English as a second language. They're Spanish-speaking kids. Um, You know, everywhere you go in Texas, you feel like you are also in Mexico because everything is so Spanish dominant these days. There's even mm-hmm. a theater near my house in Dallas, not too far, that on certain times of the of the day, it's all Spanish shows. Mm-hmm. Just a mom, you know, antidote here. My friend and I were trying to go take our kids to see a movie, and I couldn't find an English movie at that theater. And, you know, so, I know you're a kind person. You know, I just from reading yeah. your tweets, you're a Catholic, you're a, a devoted Christian, a devoted mother, wife. You know, you're a good person, and we welcome everyone. But unless people assimilate into our country, we don't have a country. Yes, assimilation is key. One of my great friends uh, grew up, her family's from Mexico, grew up in El Paso, and she says the same thing. She, yeah. she says, People have to assimilate, and I've actually been to the border. I went with a with a ministry, Yaku Boyan's ministry. He fights sex trafficking, and I actually got to go bulletproof vest and all about oh a year gosh. and a half ago on the border. I saw people crossing the border firsthand. We saw the diapers on the ground, the documents, the rape trees. I mean, it just gives me chills thinking about it. It is horrific, and I can only imagine what it looks like now from what I saw about a year and a half ago, but I've seen it with my own two eyes. Mm. I've experienced it. I've worn the bulletproof vest to go down there. It is so real and so horrific. And it does, it's affecting every part of Texas. And I do think it's completely intentional. There's no other 
there's no other way to to describe it. It's completely right. intentional. And it's such short term thinking because the Democrats say, okay, we'll let you know ten million people in, ten million more, and we'll get those votes. And they might yeah. the first term, but I, I talk about your friend. Most Hispanic people really have traditional values. And once they do assimilate, they're more likely to assimilate as a conservative. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes, I would totally agree, especially being a Catholic. I mean, I just see it in my parishes and and everything. They they cannot stand um, the uh, attack on the family. The Hispanic culture, it does it right. They take care of the generations in their family. They keep their grandparents in the home. It's a beautiful culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And and they cannot take the the attack on the family, the transgender. Um, As soon as they figure out in mass what's happening into the public schools they're sending their kids to, that's going to be a revolt. I just don't know how much they've figured it out yet because they're probably working, trying to make it. And they're not paying attention and they're going to have their kids graduate high school from Dallas ISD and they're likely going to be, um, you know, part of the LGBTQ cult right. that is predominant there. And they're going to go, what happened to my kids? What happened to my culture, my family culture? So I agree. Short term. Yeah. Short-term so talk about the, the school board in Dallas. What is the political makeup of that and how is that affecting public schools? <laughs> well, it's so funny you asked about that because I learned about that fight in COVID um, with, you know, my kids were, they didn't go to school with a mask um, when the governor, when Governor Abbott did GA38 and said no more mask mandate, it was an executive order. Our school district said, no, nope, we know better. Our county judge said, no, nope, we know better. Uh. We are going to defy the governor. And so it put us in the crosshair. So my kids went to school with no mask. We could be on the phone all day talking about that. But how that ended up is they isolated them. They were in fifth grade and eighth grade at the time. They isolated them from class. They eventually built a plexiglass cage around them in the library and completely segregated them from class. Oh, my, your children? Yes, they were bullied to no end. My daughter was told she deserved to die. Teachers conspired against my kids. Um, tried to get my son expelled from school so we couldn't move on to the magnet schools, which are the you know, schools you apply to in public schools right. that have specialties. I mean, it was horrific. We lost all of our friends. We we went to became we went from friends and volunteers in the school and everything was great to enemy number one to their agenda. Oh, so I went down to the school board and started fighting and come to find out there's two seats, district one and two, that are for the fake Republicans. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, which I think it's a total God thing, the district two was the school board trustee that they were trying to move over to run for county judge. And I was and I was told it's because he was Hispanic. He was not really Republican. They were just trying to put a Hispanic in office. And they told me the party told me, Lauren, you're a white woman. You can't win. We don't want you here. That's what the dynamic is over there. So there's two seats that are fake Republican. And then the rest are just super, super liberal, out of control um, activist agendas. So, it's so what what happened? Where are you? Where are you guys? Because I know you're one of those uh, 
mama bears that's fighting for her yeah. cubs to no end. And they, I tell you, they made a big mistake when they went after the kids because they did awaken a sleeping giant. And it's the moms of America, white, black, yellow, whatever. But it's the women yeah. who have the greatest influence on what's going to happen in the Republican Party. Where are we at? Is there any chance of taking back some seats on the Dallas school boards? I think so. So there are so many. There is a movement in it, and it started um, before me and simultaneous with my actions against that school board and then running for county judge in Dallas. People think it's so liberal and so blue, you can't win anything. Mm. And that's not true. It's just going to take massive effort because um, we weren't always like this. And so I think there's a good chance this next um, election cycle we could pick up um, a seat on that school board, District 2, it would be groundbreaking because another um, interesting part of Texas is that the education, people call it a cabal or a mafia, the mm-hmm. education here is a huge money center. Yeah. And this spans Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. And it's a Dallas ISD is an innovation district. So they try all these experimental uh, education things. So a lot of money comes in and out of Dallas. So to not have control over that would bust up their criminal ring. I yeah. think again, yeah, it's like a Rico case going on. <laughs> I mean, it really <laughs> is. It's, it's, and then it goes all the way up because the the head, the TEA, Texas Education Agency, the head mm-hmm. was a former Dallas ISD school board trustee. It's like they funnel people. If you start to break it down, they're funneling people through all these different agencies and positions, and Dallas seems to be the center of all of it. Wow. It's it's so distressing because it, you know, the same thing's happening everywhere. I mean, I'm in Greene County. We're, Springfield's called the Queen City of the Ozarks. We're in the Ozark Mountains. You would think we would be red as red as red, but this city... Springfield, the third largest city by KC in St. Louis, has really turned pretty liberal in a lot of ways. We've got about uh, 15 seconds left. Lauren, I know you're you're running for GOP chair. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I'm running for the Dallas GOP chair, which is an you know, another little hornet's nest we just hit in Dallas. That's perfect. So when we come back, let's talk about that. And I definitely want to wrap up on the uh, Paxton thing. It's clarification. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Clarification. I love that song, Sarah. Well done. Anyway, we're, our guest is Lauren Davis. She's a candidate for the GOP chair in Dallas. Uh, now, Lauren, you're running for, tell me the position you're running for exactly. What what area does it encompass? Yeah, so Dallas County is one of the largest counties in Texas. And so I'm running to be the county chair, okay. so head of the party in Dallas County, the county GOP chair. Mm. And I'm I'm guessing you you said uh, before the break that's another hornet's nest that we could start. I, I mean, I've learned a lot about how GOP politics run and central committees and uh, how what there's three no- nominated chairs for each state and each territory. I actually had one of them from Missouri on a few weeks ago, but I think the. It's just interesting. Just riff a little bit about how the populace, the regular voters, have turned on the national GOP. 
you know, particularly with that recent battle f- between uh, Rona and the others. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, yes, that's exactly what we're we're doing here in Dallas. So, essentially, a lot of these county chair positions. This is another layer. You know, this is the grassroots layer of politics that I certainly have learned so much about, and I had gained support over time from the grassroots. Being a demonstrated fighter, I think that's one. Um, that's one key personality difference between the establishment and grassroots is like whether you're willing to fight on principle or do right. you, are you agenda driven? And that's what's happening. The exact same thing is happening here in Dallas. So we, so I am running for, but I say we, we are running for county chair because we, the people, the populist um, part of Dallas uh, Republican Party want a say in our party. Yeah. And even at this tiny little level, they let things die in committee. And I'll give you one example, and which it's shocking because the RNC, right, Rana, they passed an election integrity resolution. I think it was called the Excellence, Return to Excellence in Election. Mm-hmm. Our Dallas County GOP won't even pass that. There is a large, strong group of people that are have found how we can go back to hand-counted paper ballots in our primary, because your county party controls how your primaries run, the county executive committee, which are all your precinct chairs, control how your primary election is run. And then your county chair is to go and ensure that the elections administrator makes that happen. Well, we have outlined, um, there is a group of, of election integrity folks who have outlined how to do that. Mm-hmm. And they keep stalling at the county chair and on their committees. And they've placed all these people to make sure everything dies except for what they want. Because could you imagine if one of the largest counties in Texas went to hand count paper ballots in the primary? No machine. Yeah, I can it imagine was, a red wave of populism. Right? Yeah. Yes. And so, you, so your county parties control your primaries. They control who your candidates are. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes through your county party and your precinct chairs that the average voter is not aware. And so the same thing on the national level happens, like whether you rise up to national level politics, usually is determined within the party. Right. And so right now, this layer of taking back control of the party is, I think, truly where the change is going to happen. Because how many people have walked into a county party office or walked um, had meetings with Rana up in the RNC and said, I want to run for office. And they were told, no, go wait your turn, get in line. This yep. arbitrary line that the average person doesn't know about. So this is truly where we take back control because we have to take back control of our primary. Yes. You know, it's a big, it's a big thing. It's really interesting. So I kind of had the same thought as you and I thought, well, okay, I should get on central committee. Right. So Mm -hmm. I I fire an email out to our county GOP chair and she sends one back to me. And it was really odd because she and the last paragraph was lengthy, but it basically said, here's what you have to remember if and when you're chosen to serve. You know, if basically if I give you a position, uh, you must never it's the I think it's called the Reagan rule. You must never Mm -hmm. speak ill of a, another Republican. And that just really struck me as, well, I'm like, well, what if they're crooked? You know, it doesn't matter. If they're in office, you can't speak ill of them. And it's this old boy network that's really disgusting. 
Yes, and that rule only applies to you, but they could speak ill of you because right. they don't look at you as part of their party. So let's be clear on that because yep. don't you know, I heard the exact same thing here in Dallas. Yeah. And, you know, I've been called and the people that I'm working with have been called, quote, divisive Ugh. and we're breaking the Reagan commandment. And we said, how is that? I'm a loving, caring person. I'm an everyday citizen. We're kind. Just yeah. our mere presence in the process is divisive because they don't want us there. So it's they d- use that because they know you're nice. And they think, oh, well, I don't want to be not nice. Right. And it, it's, a, it's a manipulation tactic. It's really strange, Lauren. I think we, when I say we, I include you and I and, and the people that think like us are beginning to peel back the onion where the curtain is being drawn and we're seeing how this whole thing runs. You know, you hear terms like the deep state, the cabal, the the globalist, but this is just a massive, massive organization that includes both parties. It includes intelligence services, obviously the military, industrial, pharmaceutical, medical complex. Uh, It's just, I think it's been in place right behind the curtain for so many years. I don't know. Don't you think we're we're beginning to see the light, though, right? We are. I I think so, because I just look at my own personal example. I had never voted in primaries. I voted in two general elections. I'll be 40 in November. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of coming into, you know, my career. My kids are getting older sort of come out of the, if you weren't raised in a political household, you, you likely have a similar story than to me. Right. You just, it just wasn't on your radar until kind of COVID happened or the 2020 election happened and you feel like your government just slapped you in the face. Mm. And now I can't think about volunteering anywhere else with my time. I would have maybe been more involved with the kids' school, but now I feel like being part of my county party is most important versus the PTA right now. Yeah. Knowing that happened to me, there has to be millions of people out there like me Mm -hmm. who have had similar experiences because I am shocked every day I wake up and I'm going, how in the world did I get myself so wrapped up into this? And it's because we're justice minded. We believe in the Constitution. We believe in the ideals of America we thought we were operating under one system and we woke up one day and, and thought, oh, my gosh, we're in a foreign country. This isn't what I read in a, in a history book or, or read in the Declaration of Independence. This, this isn't what I thought it was. And it's, so it, I think that's where the hope is. Yeah, definitely. And then in hindsight, it's like, how did we let this happen? Yes, we certainly, yeah, in, in all good reflections, we have to take ownership of how we participated in it, and it's by not participating, and that's what we're seeing, that now we're trying to go participate, and they don't, they being the establishment, don't want us there because we ask, you know... Um, uh, uncomfortable not, questions. We ask, yeah. <laughs> we ask questions, and we're just being honest. I'm not necessarily going in trying to ruin their life. It's just like, well, why do you do it this way? And can't we do it this way? And chapter 65 uh, says we can have paper ballots. How come you're not following chapter 60? You know, and it, yeah. they, their heads are exploding. I love it. Like, I love it. Lauren Davis from Dallas. It's a pleasure to talk to you. We've got to take a quick break. It's clarification. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. One of my favorite 
all-time country songs. Jason Aldean. It's the clarification. We're here with Lauren Davis. Why is there so many songs written about Amarillo and not Dallas? I guess there's a few about Dallas, right, Lauren? Yeah, yeah. I think there's some George Strait songs about Dallas. There you go. There you go. But uh, anyway, we're we're talking today about the rot that represents a lot of the Republican Party and how we're slowly carving it out. You know, we didn't really get to it, <clears throat> Lauren. I'd, I'd love to. Can you give our listeners just a overview of what they establishment, GOP, because it was the GOP Texas House that brought these charges against Ken, Ken Paxton, who really mm-hmm. is one of the leaders of our movement, just a great guy, a populist. What are they saying he did they are saying, and it's hard to, to decipher a little bit. You have to really get in there and dig because there's no evidence. It's all hearsay. Right. But it basically boils down to that they are trying to say he had an affair that led to potential um, bribery and, like, misuse of his office. Right. Um, centered around this affair. And um, Ooh, this the affair... Familiar. Yeah, right. Sorry, Sarah. Remember Missouri's governor? We had a governor that was kicked out of office over the same kind of thing. Go ahead. Yes, and and so this is really interesting. If you kind of follow any of the chatter on this, you have some Republicans saying, I can't believe all of our conservative Republicans aren't speaking out against the affair. Okay, Uh, there's that. And then you've got some that are like, I don't really care about the affair. Um is there evidence that he commit a crime, right. you know, or not? And so far in all the testimony, it's been um, a complete knockout of of these house, uh, you know, um, whistleblower these whistleblowers that the house brought up on on stand um, in his office, and then come to find out as the questioning happens, um, there's all these, you know we'll put them in air quotes, coincidences, like mm. George P. Bush getting his law license back active that right within days of these, quote, whistleblowers um, going to the FBI. They went to the FBI with no evidence, Ugh. just with, I think there's maybe something possibly could have happened. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it what is was actually that, an embarrassment. That uh, quote that I saw, one of the gentlemen was being questioned. He said, well, we had a good faith belief. And they said, yeah, did you have any evidence? Well, no. Well, no. Yes, every time they they get all the way down to did you have, the answer is always no. They had nothing but a political vendetta against a man who is the leader of the grassroots in Texas, who broke through, who did the... um, you know, the number one offense was he didn't wait in line for the AG position and beat out the establishment well, candidate. And also, don't you think the fact that he was behind filing that lawsuit after the 2020 election, yeah. trying to get the fraud that was the 2020 election? I'm going to say it out loud, FBI, whoever's listening. The 2020 election was totally fraudulent. Joe Biden's an illegitimate president. Trump was legally elected, but Ken Paxton was in the middle of that fight. Am I right? Yes, because he's a true principled grassroots person. And to all the people who want to get hung up on the affair, my advice to them is to stop holding our elected officials 
in the place of God. Yeah. We know, based on statistics in our country with divorce rates and mm-hmm. infidelity and all these things, there's a greater chance of your elected official having a moral impropriety than, than not. Right. Because it's the human condition. So yeah. let's just put that aside. Of course, in a perfect world, we'd like them to be these perfect moral figures, but history would tell us they're not. Right. And they must be some of the most tempted people on the planet because there's always someone trying to compromise them. Yeah. In the case, you know, like the honey pots and all that right. silly stuff that we hear about in the news. Well, and okay, you as so, a woman, let's be honest, Lauren, some women are attracted to power. Yes. It's and, the human fallen condition. That's right. That's right. So we just have to stop there. Would it be nice if they didn't take their time to have a pair affair? Sure. But he's reconciled that with his wife. Yes. He returned to his family. And he his messed God. up. He admitted yep. it. Gosh, yep. I mean, that's a redemption story that we should love and appreciate, not continue to condemn. Exactly. So you can focus on two things there. He's a redeemed man who went back to his wife, who reconciled and kept his family together. Praise God. Yep. Yeah. Moving on, you know. Right, right. Move <laughs> Did on. Did he commit Get- a crime? I mean, no. let's let's open every one of your closets and watch the skeletons pour out. It's just so hypocritical. Yes. <laughs> you know, so I saw the chatter there. I mean, the affairs are rampant. There's uh, it also Paxton also called out Dave Thielen for being drunk on the floor. I'm sure right. your listeners probably saw those viral videos. Apparently, there's little mini bars set up all over the Capitol and people regularly go to the floor and vote on legislation under the influence. Which I mean, is just insane. Me a break. It's insane. Insane. And we all know, I can't remember the congressman's name. He only served one term, but he called out the cocaine fueled, you know, hookers and blow parties that he got invited to when he won his congressional exactly. seat. And, and listen he, to that. He served one term. One term. You, they you ran him out on a rail. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So welcome to Texas politics, apparently. Yeah. So I'm going to stand by Paxton because he is a redeemed man. He went back to his family. How many men can say that yeah. who have had infidelity, who who ask for forgiveness, and then return to their family. If that would happen, our country would be in a totally different place. Please, right, please, if you're having an affair in the Texas house, cut it off and return to your family and stop throwing stones where you have no right to. We all sin. Um, We all sin. We do. We're human, you know. And so that's really what's on trial. It's just a complete smear campaign. And Angela, his wife is a senator. Wow. They're... And she's sitting there listening to all that. What a strong woman. No one's talking about what a strong woman. She's in prayer. I see her Twitter post. She's clearly in deep prayer and having to relive something that I'm sure she is. Incredibly you know, is painful. Yeah, right. Yes. These people are heartless. They are doing to that on to her on purpose. They are doing what they're doing to Ken Paxton on purpose because they did not kiss the ring. They did not wait in line. And um, that's the ultimate offense, apparently, in Texas politics, which I would guess it's the ultimate offense in national politics, mm. is you wait till you're called up. Well, I think those days are over yeah. um, completely. And it's just a matter of can the grassroots sustain? And I think so. Can we sustain? Because these days are hard. And I'm sure you have just average everyday Americans listening. You're yep. going to go up and you're going to want to run for something as small as your precinct chair. Because yep. our county party right now in Dallas denies precinct chairs and vacant seats. That's how bad it is. They what? Like we have, 
They what? They deny precinct. They deny precinct chairs. So that's your your yeah. your most grassroots form of government, right? Right, right. And it's ele- and technically elected, but a lot of times. But it's what do you mean they deny them? So the, a chair opens up and they just don't fill it. Is that what you're saying? Yes, there's a vacant seat. They have a precinct chair committee. Um, and I know of several who have said, I want to fill that vacant seat. And they say, oh, so-and-so will give you a call. Never uh, get a call. Oh, well, you might be a Democrat. It's what oh, happened to me. You might be a Democrat plan. It's what happened to me. You, I, I sent that email two years since ago. You the day you were born. Right. Yes, there you go. And, and you yeah, know, and, and she knows yeah. that I, I would be a faithful servant, not faithful to the GOP where I'd never speak ill, but I, I mean, I would work hard and... You know, I have a good reputation in the community. Other than that I try and speak the truth on this show, it really ticks them off. They don't like that. They don't like it. And it's at the very lowest. I hate to say the word low because low implies not important. It's at the very grassroots, at the very true root of politics. They even have committees set up to ensure only the people who will follow orders, be part of kissing the ring and who subscribe to waiting their turn are allowed to take these seats. And so you have to understand you're going to go and you're going to try to get involved and you're going to get rejected, 100% rejected. Yeah. And you've got to just push through because the only reason why I won the primary is because I was the one who didn't allow them to not put me on the ballot. I just said, who do you think you are? I qualify. They said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I qualify. <laughs> you did not make these rules. I know you have your own set of rules, but those are not the constitutional rules. So, therefore, I don't have to follow them. Well, and Dan Schultz with the Precinct Committee, I think that's what it's called, Precinct Committee Project, also is a good resource for people that yeah. want to get involved, right? Yes, it is. And there's also a, a gentleman here in Texas, uh, uh, he has a project called the Five Star Plan. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. His That's last right. name is West, I believe. You can send it to me later. Plan. We'll get it in the show notes if you want. So no worries. Oh, yeah. That would be great. It was a precinct strategy. So the strategy to take back our government has to be a precinct strategy because the problem has reached that level. Yes. So so that's truly where we have to start. And as long as, and that's where Ken Paxton came from. That's what's on trial. Um, in Texas, that's what Trump did that. That's what's on trial nationally. So look at the patterns, see the patterns, and where we will be most effective is in your grassroots. So get rid of your county chairs. If they're not serving the grassroots, get rid of your precinct chair. Get on that ballot. Do not listen to people telling you don't qualify. That's your first sign you're on the right path. Um, and just don't give up. It's really a matter of sheer will at this point this is so important lauren we got a minute and a half left but just for our our listeners to hear this we have to get involved locally it's the only way we'll ever take the country back yes and we talk about the democrats having a playbook well guess what the Republican establishment has a playbook and it's being used against you. Yeah. So forget the Democrats for a second. Let's clean our own house, clean our own backyard, and then we will earn the right to take on the Democrats. So I think that's where we start. I think that's what's on trial here is the populist grassroots movement versus the establishment. Call it elites, 
versus the everyday American, mm. globalist versus the constitutionalist, whatever you want to call it. But I can guarantee you it's in your backyard. There's no part of America that's safe. It's in the mountains of the Ozarks, as you're saying. It's, yep. in, the, it's in the rural Amarillo of Texas. It is everywhere. And the enemy goes to kill, steal, and destroy. He and, will leave yeah, no and, territory untouched. And that's why it's so hard, because you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle. It's bad enough we got to fight the Democrats. We have to find these idiots in our own party. we got 20 seconds left. Well, Lauren, where can people find you? I'm most active on my uh, ex, which I hate that Twitter, name, formerly Twitter. Twitter. Right. We'll call it Twitter for now, at Moms love freedom at moms love freedom you can find me and i tweet all the time and it's just fun Uh, lauren thank you so much it's really been a pleasure let's do this again okay oh i would love it and you know thank you for the opportunity you bet take care it's clarification we'll see you next week